We've been doing a series called Guarding Your Heart. So we've been, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at it, and we've been, been talking about guarding against discouragement. And, um, and we've, we've learned a couple of weeks ago that the antidote for discouragement is hope. We've got to have hope. And also, the other antidote against discouragement is to take cognizance of our thought life, to become aware of what we're thinking about. You know, to think about what we're thinking about. That we don't have to just entertain every thought that actually lands into our heads, but we can actually decide, actually, you know what, this, this word is, this thought is a discouraging thought. I don't have to do that. I don't have to accept it. I can discard it and I can replace it. So we can replace the way that we think and the way as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we, last week we shared, um, we might go on again next week, but about guarding against and guarding our hearts against unforgiveness. And um, for, we, we learned that forgiveness is the very thing that God designed to heal the hurting human heart. There's so much power in forgiveness. But you know what? Throughout life, we do get knocked down and we do get knocked off course, um, especially within these areas of guarding our hearts against discouragement and, and, um, and especially in the area of forgiveness. But you know what? There's an encouraging scripture in Proverbs that says, though the righteous may fall seven times, they rise again. You know what? It's not about how well we perform. It's not about getting everything 100% right all the time. We cannot. You know, you're putting law on yourself if you try and living this perfect life. We can't do it. Life is about a journey. It's not about plain sailing through life. We have ups and we have downs. But life, in the, in the, like in a Christian context, it's about getting up again. We might fall, but we rise. We do rise. We don't grow weary. We persevere. The Bible says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. So it's so important that life, we learn that life with God is about transformation. It's about renewing our minds. It's about changing the way we think. It's about conforming to the image of Jesus. So life is a journey whether you believe in God or not. We saw on, on Friday night, but I know some of us were here, we saw the Lion King. And he, came, he comes out with that fantastic phrase, Hakuna Matata. You didn't know I could speak a little bit of Swahili, eh? Hakuna Matata. Okay, I'm not going to sing. But you know what? I googled, the word, I googled the lyrics. And this is what the song says. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Come on, give me a hand, come on. <laughs> I'm actually a very shy person and I don't like singing in public. But problem-free philosophy. Who's got, you might have a philosophy, but whose lives here is problem-free? If you put up your hand, we'll pray for you at the end, okay? <laughs> because you know what? Even Jesus, the Son of God, said that in this world you will have trouble. 
But then he goes on and he says, but be of good cheer. Cheer up. I have overcome the world. What an awesome promise. So you can either believe Jesus or you can believe a singing, what was he, a warthog. A singing warthog or his little pal that was that little meerkat. You can believe a meerkat and a warthog or you can believe Jesus. Guess what? I'm going with Jesus. So, but whatever journey you're on, you know, whatever, whoever you're following, and hopefully it's, it is God, but if you're following God, life is a journey. And it applies to every aspect of our lives. Eh? You know, thinking about as you're growing up as a child, life is a journey. I remember growing up, I remember the different phases when I was growing up, you know, and I was two and a half born in this, well, I wasn't two and a half when I was born. No, I was born in this country and then when I was two and a half, went to South Africa and I grew up in South Africa. And, you know, my, my, my life story, my life journey. And I went to high school, I became a teenager, and I really knew everything about everything at, in those teenage years, okay? But um, I fell in love, but life was a journey. I fell in love, I fell out of love. You know, life is a journey. I went, got married, I was parenting, even as parents. Life is a journey. You learn how to parent your, child, your children, isn't that right? But I know that I'm not the same person that I was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago. And I'm, I believe that I am sort of improving, I hope, in certain areas. In certain areas, not so much, but in certain areas, yeah, it's okay. But I'm at work, you know what, we're God's workmanship. Yes. He's at work in our lives. You know, so maybe we think that we're doing quite well, and especially thinking about forgiveness. We might think, actually, we're doing quite well. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and it triggers us. And you think, ah, I'm not in forgiveness at all. And you feel like you've got to go around the mountain again, and you've got to start the process all over again, and you've got to forgive this person again. But you know what? This is life, and this is what living the transformed life is about. It's about changing the way we think, it's about renewing our mind, and it's about walking in forgiveness. And you know, sometimes we do get blown off course, and it's a bit like, it's a, bit like a ship that's, on a, that's sailing out on the ocean. You know, when a ship is sailing, it has to make constant adjustments because its progress is hindered by the wind and the waves. And the captain of the ship has to keep making adjustments to make sure that the ship stays on course because otherwise the wind and the waves will start steering it off into a different direction. And that's a lot like us. Life can be like that. But you know what's so important is for us to recognize when we are going off course like that ship. We have to recognize, it's important, it's so important for us that we recognize when we're going off course and that we need to make some adjustments. You know, and I think the biggest problem is when we don't recognize that we're going off course and then we start thinking God is following us. Well, Psalm 23 says, his goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. But Psalm 23, that's the last verse. Psalm 23 starts with verse 1. It's, it works like that sometimes. It's 
quite amazing. But Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. And he leads me in the right, in paths of righteousness. I don't lead him, he leads me. So it's important that we need to make Jesus our shepherd and that we follow him, follow his leading. He's the good shepherd and he's leading us. And as I follow him, his goodness and mercy follows me. It's not the other way around, okay? So we've got to get back to doing life his way and trust him. There's a Psalm 25 that says, keep my soul. In fact, the ESV says, guard my soul. Talking to God, he says, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. And the title of my message today is Trusting a Trustworthy God. We can trust God because he is trustworthy. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, coming up on the screen. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No? Trust in the Lord with half your heart? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Oh, this scripture is powerful. The message says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out. Don't try and figure God out, okay? You won't be able to. <laughs> and then from the Amplified Version, I love this scripture, it says, lean on, trust in, be confident in the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him and he will direct you in all our ways. When it comes to guarding our heart, when it comes to walking in forgiveness, we need to acknowledge him. We need to trust him. You know what? When you forgive someone, we, we covered some of this last week, is one of the hindrances to us forgiving people is that we feel like if we forgive them, we're letting them off. They win, we lose. That's not the case. Do you know what we do? So-and-so hurt me this week. I trust you, God. I trust you. I'm trusting in you with all my heart. And I'm not going to try and fathom this out in my own head. I'm not going to try and work it all out. And God, I'm not going to do things my way and you follow me. No, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. Okay. So we bring our ways in line with his ways and he will direct our path. So one of the most important ways we overcome these triggers, these things, when discouragement comes, unforgiveness, you start to realize, ah, got this stuff going on in the side of me. Know that you can 100% trust God. 100%, not 63%. 100% trust God. He's trustworthy. He is who he says he is. His ways 
are so much better than ours. The Bible says in, in, in Isaiah 55, his ways are so much higher. And he's not saying, well, I'm up here and you're down there, so try and come up here. It's not it. That's not, that's, it's an invitation. He's saying, come up higher. Come and learn from me. Matthew, Matthew 11, 28, he says, come and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle and lowly in heart. Learn his ways. You know, even when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you think that maybe those that are against you are more than those that are for you, how do you recover from something like that? Sometimes it feels like the whole world is against you. Am I the only one? Don't leave me alone up here. But sometimes I feel like everyone hates me. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm being a bit transparent here. I don't really, really, really feel like that all the time, okay? But sometimes you can walk into a situation and you think, they don't like me. Doesn't matter. I can trust God because I know that he's trustworthy, that I'm loved by him. I'm accepted by him. So we're going to read a long scripture now, 15 verses, and I better hurry up because I'm not even halfway through my introduction. <laughs> so from 1 Kings 17, we're going to look at an account of a guy in the Bible. His name is Elijah. And homework, okay, people? Homework. Go home and read 1 Kings 16, 17, and 18 three chapters of reading this week. Just read it slowly. Just read it slowly and see what happens. In it's, it's fantastic stuff. It's exciting stuff. People think sometimes that the Bible, how boring. No, man, it's full of blood and guts and people. Later on in chapter 18, this guy Elijah, he massacres 450 false prophets with a sword. He kills them. I mean, that's a bit gory. But it's good stuff. Anyway, so we'll start here with 1, 1 Kings 17. And it says, Elijah the Tishbite, that's a funny name, eh? Of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was an evil king, okay? And he said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall, be, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Now, we know that this guy, Elijah, he was a prophet, and he prophesied that there would be no rain for, for as long as God says, and it actually lasted three and a half years. And then he goes on, and then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, and he said, get away from here, turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I've commanded the ravens, to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Is this echoing a little bit? Is it okay? Okay, so he went and did according, that's better, to the word of the Lord, which, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. It's a bit like church. Man, they, he was well fed, he was well rounded, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there'd been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. No longer hide there, but dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, as he was coming in to the city, 
he saw a, a, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Thank you. Good opportunity. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, oh, please bring me a morsel of food, a morsel of bread in your hands. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is a dire situation. She was gonna, they were going to eat their last meal. They were getting ready to die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Are you out of your mind? And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. But she's just said, I've only got enough for us. But Elijah says, no, bring me the cake first. And he says, for thus says the Lord your God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And we know that took three and a half years. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. It actually goes on and says, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of God. That is an amazing scripture. There is so much in there. There's so much there. So I just want to give you a little bit of background here. King Ahab was this wicked king. He was married to a woman called Jezebel. You might have heard of Jezebel in the Bible. And in, in fact, in 1 Kings 16.33, previously, the Bible actually says that Ahab set up an altar for Baal, Baal worship, um, and worshipped his idol there. This is in Israel. He set up, a, he set up an idol uh, for Baal and worshipped Baal in Israel, who's, who, who worshipped God, the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham and all these, these patriarchs. And, and the Bible says that this bad king, Ahab, did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings who were before him. So he was like the worst king. He was the worst king. And so as a result of this Baal worship that was happening in Israel, God inspired Elijah by the Holy Spirit to prophesy over Israel that there is going to be no dew, no rain for the next as long as it takes. So God was basically judging putting on judgment on the nation of Israel. And, but the amazing thing, so sometimes when we read this account now, we read, now Elijah's like the hero in this, mess, in this passage. And sometimes we can think, oh, well done, Elijah. Woohoo, you know, he's brilliant. But he, you know, this goes back in the year dot and he was, things were different. No, the Bible says in, in, in James chapter five that Elijah was a man like us. Like us. He, he, all he did was he prayed, he, he, he trusted God, he prayed and he prophesied this drought and it happened. He was a man like us, he was just an ordinary person, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit and he believed the word of God. So, 
let's just look a little bit back at this. In verses 2 to 4, it says from the scripture that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he said, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So God is taking care of Elijah during this drought. And says, first of all, God was very specific. God said to Elijah, go and hide. Because when Elijah declared and prophesied this um, lack of this drought, he, was, he said it to Ahab, and so Ahab sought to kill him. Ahab was doing every, he was leaving no stone unturned to kill this prophet, Elijah. How dare you prophesy such hardship over this nation while we worship Baal. But, um, so God told Elijah, go and hide by the brook. And that brook Cherith, I looked up that word Cherith. Cherith means separation. And it's interesting that for this period of time, from the start to the end of this passage, is is three and a half years, we don't know how long he was at this brook Cherith, but Cherith means separation. And you know what I believe is that Elijah was being prepared for what lay ahead. So times of separation can be a time of preparation. You know, sometimes when, when God has said something into your heart and he's you know, you've written it down, you've, got a, you've, got, you've had a prophecy. Man, I can speak for our own lives where we've had prophecies and, and it's like, but when is this going to happen? And it's almost like God puts you on the shelf. It's like that time of separation. But you know what, he's doing a work in your heart while you're sitting there, while you're hiding away at the brook Cherith, at that place of separation. God is working in your heart. And I love what Psalm 91 says, about trusting in God. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. I will hide myself in you, God. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. My God, in you I will trust. You know what? If you're feeling isolated, you're feeling like you've been left out on a shelf somewhere, Trust God. Trust God. If he, he will do what he said he will do, just trust him. And finally, in that scripture, it says, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. You know what? There's a place called there in everybody's life. There is a place called there. It's a place of God's protection. It's a place of God's provision. We had to leave Chichester a year ago, we were living in Chichester, quite happily sitting next to the Chichester Canal. And God had stirred in our hearts two years before that about leaving Chichester because he had a place for us there. We're still on that journey. We're still finding the exact there. We're looking for a house. <laughs> and, um, but there's a place called there. There is a place because there is where his provision is. That's where his provision is. That's where his protection is. You know what? Even in, a, even in the midst of a drought, in the midst of this famine, there was abundance. There was provision for Elijah. He had bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. He was eating like a king. 
and yet it was in the middle of a middle of a crisis but after a while what the bible actually says is that the brook dried up and there's nothing spiritually significant about that but there had been no rain there had been no dew so the brook dried up okay so no great revelation about that but what the interesting thing is is that it says the word of the lord came to elijah again so god fed him god took care of him at that brook while he protected him from from the onslaught of ahab that, that evil king that was looking for him and but then when all that dried up it says the word of the lord came to elijah again one step at a time you know what the bible says in psalm 119 that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path he's not going to tell us he didn't tell elijah he didn't tell elijah listen you're going to land up in zarephath right at the on right at the outset it was one step at a time it was only when he was at the brook cherith that he said to him okay provisions dried up now here's the next step i tell you this stuff this is god this is how god works and so he said okay guess what arise go to zarephath which belongs to sidon and dwell there no longer hide there dwell there you're going to live there for a little while i have commanded a widow there to provide for you interesting thing so now god tells elijah go to sidon now you might not know this but sidon is where jezebel came from it's not israel so god sends elijah into the enemy's territory now you know why he was he was being prepared during that season at the brook of cherith he was being prepared he was going into enemy territory this is these are not god worshipers these are baal worshipers this is jezebel's hometown god sends elijah the prophet there go straight into enemy territory and then when elijah arrives at the city gates there he sees this widow gathering sticks so that she could cook the last meal for herself and her son because they were going to die and so what happens elijah approaches her and says give me some water that was quite common in those days give me some water so she said okay go and get some water but on her route to go and get water he says bring me a cake bring me some bread and so she goes on and says she's only got enough supplies they're about to die but elijah prophesies to her again and says if you go and bake me a small cake then thus saith the lord the bin of flour will not be used up and the oil will not run dry until the lord brings rain on this earth as long as there's this drought you will have provision and you know what she did she went and she she honored the man of god you know it's one of our um one of our what do you call it um values. values thank you couldn't think of the word one of our values is honoring we're an honoring church we are an honoring church and we honor our senior pastor andy elms and gina elms we honor them but this this widow who was a gentile she wasn't a jew she lived in sidon and yet she honored the man of god she recognized that god was on this guy on elijah and the interesting thing is that god had said to her god had said to elijah go to go to zarephath 
for I've commanded a widow to take care of you. But when he got to Zarephath, the widow was there. She wasn't waiting for Elijah. So did God get it wrong? No, God doesn't get it wrong. He didn't get it wrong. But you know what, we'll, we'll look at this in a minute. But we believe that this, this woman was God-fearing. Even though she wasn't a Jew, she was a Gentile, but she was a God-fearing person. And she twice referred to Elijah. When, when, when she spoke about El, God, uh, the God of Elijah, he, she said, the Lord your God, in, on two occasions. But the interesting thing is that, this woman, that God had commanded this poor widow to provide for her. And you know what? A little bit later in the, in the New Testament, we look at the life of Jesus. And Jesus, the day when he stood up in his own hometown in Nazareth, when, he, when the scroll was handed to, to, handed to Jesus in the temple, and he opened up that scroll, and it was Isaiah 61, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel. That amazing scripture in Luke chapter 4. It, Jesus says he was rejected. Jesus was rejected by his own people in Nazareth. And he, and he, gives, he, he mentions this widow in, in that account, and he says, I tell you, in Luke chapter 4, he refers to this widow. He says, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. They were in Israel. Then why did God send Elijah to Sidon? But many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So God sent Elijah to this particular widow on purpose. Firstly, to provide for Elijah. Because for the rest of that famine, this woman provided for Elijah. Not only did she provide for Elijah, she provided, God provided for this widow through a miracle. The oil didn't dry up, the, 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 the flour didn't run out. So she was provided for. And I just think of, you know, Mark eleven twenty two, the faith scripture. It says, have faith in God. And in some scriptures it says, have the faith of God. God is a God of faith. He, 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 the Bible says he commanded the widow. He commanded the widow, but the widow actually wasn't there. But what he'd actually done was he prepared her heart. He prepared her heart. This heart of this unbeliever, he'd prepared her heart. That's, a, that's faith. That's faith. You know, we don't know what's going on in people's hearts. We've got no idea. But we can experience favor from people, unbelievers. We can experience favor from believers or unbelievers because God has prepared people's hearts for whatever the mission is that he has for us. So the, the rest of the account, what actually happens to this woman is they survive this whole period, but then suddenly her son takes ill, and he dies. Not from hunger, but he took ill and he died. And Elijah, anointed by God, lays on this boy, lays hands on him, he's healed, he's saved, he's, he's, he's healed from the, from, from, he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. And when this happens, in 1 Kings 17, 24, 
the woman says, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She had lived with this miracle of the bread and the, of the flour and the oil for whatever period of time is, up to three and a half years. She'd lived it, she'd seen this miracle day by day. Yet, she didn't recognize the miracle of God on a daily basis, but she saw the big miracle, the big miracle of her son being raised to life from, 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 from being dead. You know what? I think it's so important that we don't, you know, sometimes God does things in our lives. And we don't recognize it as God at work in our lives. And it's so important that we don't doubt away what God is doing in our lives. Don't doubt it away. This woman was receiving a miracle on a daily basis with that oil and that, and that flour. But that wasn't what got her attention. The jar never ran dry. God provided for her on a daily basis. On a daily basis. God gives us what we need when we need it. We think we need the full jar. But the Bible says it never ran dry. So God just gave her what she needed on a daily basis. That was a miracle in itself. But the interesting thing is that God used this man, Elijah, to see to this woman's needs, her physical needs, her son that was raised from the dead, and God provided for Elijah as well. God shows no partiality to this woman. She was an unbeliever. She was, a, she was from Sidon. She was from... She, was, she wasn't a, a Jewish woman, but God shows no partiality. God knew that she would be in need of a miracle. So he, she, so he sent Elijah to this widow. Talk about the trustworthiness of God. How trustworthy he knows what you have need of. And I want to come in to, to land with a scripture from 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It's a beautiful scripture. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You know what? God is looking at our hearts. He's looking at our hearts. He's look it's not what we do. It's not how we be behave. It's not about behavior modification, but it's about our hearts. Like that widow in Zarephath, God was looking at her heart. He had prepared her heart. And whatever you're believing for, let me tell you now, it's not over till it's over, till God says it's over. Trust God. Have faith in God. His ways are better than ours. This is the God whom we can trust. If God can take care of this little Gentile widow, takes care of her every need. How much more for us? How much more? You have more value than a sparrow. You have so much more value, and yet God takes care of the birds. You have so much more significance. We can trust him with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct our paths. God knows the end from the beginning. He is trustworthy and we can trust him. Let's pray. Let's pray.